Hi everyone, Jennifer here today with a bonus episode of Art Curious. Last week, April 30th, 2019, I was asked to participate in a special screening of the 2010 Banksy documentary Exit Through the Gift Shop at the Alamo Draft House here in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is part of their amazing film club series curated by Jackson Cooper. And after the film, Jackson and I recorded a conversation and a Q&A about the movie, about Banksy, and about history and legacy and questions about street art in general. And I'm excited to share this thoughtful conversation with you now. So just to note that there are some spoilers in terms of the fact that we talk about the documentary in general, as well as Banksy himself and the other artist profiled in the doc, a man called Mr. Brainwash. So just be aware of that. But otherwise, please enjoy this bonus episode, and we'll be back to you next week with a full episode of Art Curious. Thanks for listening. Okay, there you go. So um, Banksy is sort of always been this sort of, uh, as, as we see in the documentary, an elusive um, artist, mostly because there's not a lot of access to him. People have trouble finding him. But I kind of want to go first to sort of talking about uh, street art and, and what has sort of evolved as art, um, graffiti and stuff like that. So I was wondering if you could talk yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, as far as I think about street art, I think of it as really being something that really emerged in the late 70s, early 80s, um, really coastal. So I think about LA, San Francisco, of course, New York. And um, I think a lot of it may have grown out of the skateboarding culture, at least on the West Coast, which is where I'm originally from. I know that was really connected. But thinking about part of what they were talking about in the film is that graffiti and street art are interconnected, but they're not necessarily the same thing. It's like street art takes it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just tagging anymore. Now you're actually creating something bigger, um, maybe even more of a statement. But I think you think about people like Jean-Michel Basquiat, you think about people like Keith Haring, who were really part of that graffiti culture, mm-hmm. um, then expanding it into something bigger. The art historian in me wants to scoot back a little bit and say like, well, Andy Warhol, because that connection between um, what would be considered like low culture and pop art, um, connecting it with Mm -hmm. high art and high culture. I think that definitely is something that's very obviously at play in street art today. Well, and you had mentioned Keith Haring, who was very much sort of that um, street art into the gallery. So can you sort of talk about what that movement was with people accepting street art or at least... Uh, people of a certain tax bracket who can af- who can you know afford to buy all these things <laughs> yes. and also museums and collections. Yeah. yeah, I think definitely Basquiat and Keith Haring had a lot to do with that. Uh, I think Andy Warhol's sort of um, acceptance and moving forward of Basquiat mm-hmm. had a lot to do with that as well. But really, I think it really comes down to money. And I know that for the popularity of street art today, they refer to it as the Banksy effect and saying that Banksy's popularity has really caused street art as a whole to Mm -hmm. skyrocket all around the world. And that's why we actually have museum exhibitions for Banksy, which are Mm -hmm. not sanctioned, but they are um, unauthorized, but still seen as extraordinarily popular throughout the world. And other artists, Shepard Fairey has had shows. Mr. Brainwash obviously uh, has stuff going on too. That's good to confirm because the documentary kind of implies that Banksy was the one to sort of begin 
that transition from street art into the galleries. It, it yeah. kind of alludes to it, but it doesn't really say. You know, and it's I think it's a little bit of an odd, yeah. slightly slippery slope. I know that Jeffrey Deitch, who used to be um, have his own gallery in New York and then eventually went to Museum of Contemporary Art in L.A., um, was for a while called one of the people who was really instrumental in pushing street art forward into the gallery space, which then in turn pushed it into the museum space. But at the same time, it's like, you know, where, when did that happen? When did that line right. happen? Who can you point to as the number one originator? Yeah. I think it's blurry. Right. And, and also because street art as a cultural movement was such a big thing too. And, and right. it was just all, you know, it was all over the place. And so you had to accept it. Almost. Yeah. 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 Um, let's talk about sort of going, sort of transitioning into that and the gallery, the democratization of art and sort of the commercialization of a rebellious art. So, so with Banksy specifically, um, he could be referred to as an outsider artist or a rebellious artist. Mm. Can you talk about sort of his, uh, him, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bit more than the documentary went into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting because there is that sort of paradox about Banksy. He's very much an outsider and that mm -hmm. he's not somebody who went to art school, for example, and, you know, has his MFA in art um, and really worked through what we think of as the traditional methods to becoming a working artist, for example. Mm -hmm. But then at the <clears throat> same time, he's become this huge, huge international superstar and that cannot be denied. So he's sort of an outsider at the same time as being an insider. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of weird levels going on yeah. with Banksy. Um, I think what's really fun is that obviously we don't exactly know who Banksy is, but we kind of do. And uh, I think that is something that obviously has not really gone into at all in the documentary because this documentary that's about Banksy is obviously not about Banksy at all, right. which I think is really fun that that's the first thing that he actually says in the documentary. He mm -hmm. says, oh, yeah, this is about it. This is my movie about a movie that's about me, but not about me. And it became about this other guy. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's really interesting. Well, and it's interesting, too, that, you know, especially recently there was the uh, auction situation where yes. the uh, as soon as I don't know, I, I'm sure most of you have seen what was circulating on Facebook that as a soon as it was, noddings, yeah, nodding people. <laughs> um, and so that was it came out later in elaborate prank, which have been called uh, acts instead of pranks when Banksy would do this. So it seems like this documentary is sort of one big prank yeah. act, almost a Banksy uh work of art yeah i i personally think mm -hmm. so i know that some in many ways the jury is still out whether or not yeah. this is a legitimate documentary mm -hmm. and i think as a film as a film guy yeah. um you could probably speak to this more than i can about you know the whole thing about documentaries is that they're supposed to be factual and truthful and honest it's not fiction it is non-fiction yeah. but then he is completely subverting that and twisting it around right so it's like is this really what happened Probably not. Right. <laughs> uh, but who's to say? And it's not like Banksy's going to come out and be like, oh, I pranked you. Just kidding. Yeah. And it was nominated for an Oscar. So, you know, it, under best documentary. So perhaps that's, you know, <laughs> the biggest joke of all. Which yeah. is amazing. And then the same thing about Mr. Brainwash, who, you know, obviously went on to create Madonna's uh, greatest hits album cover. I think he did a... Um, uh, something with Nike as well, where he was commissioned to do some advertising for them. Mm -hmm. So even if he wasn't a real artist, or maybe perhaps he still isn't, who knows? Right. Uh, but either way, there is some money that's gone into him and gone into that, and he has become, in effect, transformed into a real artist. Yeah. 
So I, I guess we have to ask the question about street art is just does, does this matter? I mean, does the identity and, and um, sort of does any of this matter? The commercialization, the identity of the street artist, you know, it's yeah. A, yeah, what what is what is that from your perspective as an art historian, but also an art appreciator you and know, curator? It's such a good question. Um, I do like that art is the definition of art has changed mm -hmm. and that there is no longer this really clear cut line between what is fine art and what is considered popular or what is not considered art. I know there's a lot of blurring between art and craft in the last few years and what really defines what art is. I mean, Art History 101. It's like you sit down with a professor and the professor says, what is art? And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I don't know. How <laughs> can I possibly answer that question? It's like the biggest question on the planet almost. What is art? Yeah. Um, so I really actually like that street art opens up this realm um, where you don't have to be somebody who goes to art school. You don't have to go to college. You don't have to have this vast training in art to make it, mm -hmm. or in some cases, to make it really big. I think about Instagram a lot now, because in the last few years, it's been this explosion of artists who show their work on Instagram and point to me as a curator more towards their Instagram profiles mm, yeah. than their web pages or galleries or anything like that. In a lot of cases, they don't have galleries anymore. So I think of this as being almost parallel, where all of a sudden you're making new directions and making new norms and bringing in people who might not necessarily be able to show their work mm -hmm. and have their work not only seen, but also enjoyed and purchased in many cases. So it's really quite amazing. That being said, the art historian in me is really torn because I like having that perspective, that background and that history. And I think in some ways that's very important. Yeah. So it's, it's weird. I kind of flip flop back and forth, but when it comes to street art, I personally have really flip flopped. Um, when I was younger, much younger in the past, I used to go strictly to the, this is vandalism. Like let's lock them up route. And I don't know at what point that changed. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was conscious of the change, but eventually I started really just thinking about it and being extremely into it and very drawn to it. And my, a lot of that might be just the fact that it's more around us. Mm -hmm. It's more part of our culture now than it ever was really before. Yeah, and, and there's more, like you said, with Instagram and sort of the rise of, I mean, they talk about and they're sharing on forums and community um, boards on the internet that it just became more accessible. Right. So can you talk about sort of the in in the history of street art that idea of accessibility versus uh, for the law, perhaps? Yeah. I mean, there is still, as Banksy even refers to, that you know it's still this gray line where it's technically illegal. You are not supposed to be creating graffiti or mm -hmm. street art because it is technically wrong in, in a lot of really specific law ways. But at the same time, you know, you, you can say it's freedom of expression and it is creating something interesting. I read a quote today from um, a film critic, actually, who was talking about this movie and was talking about that if you're somebody who grew up in New York, for example, or you've just been around street art as part of the backdrop of your life and you saw it every day, um, that you tend to have this relativist view of it, mm -hmm. which I think is true of art in general, where if you see something that you really like, so if you see a piece of street art that you think is really good, then you're like, oh, well, it's totally worth it because that's an incredible piece of art. And then if you see one that you think is bad, you say, he's a vandal, let's lock him up. And so who's to say, and at right. what point is that okay? 
to make those choices. Who makes those choices? Yeah, and what I think is interesting too is that street art has evolved as a way of cities to um, you know create public art in yeah. places that perhaps are not the nicest, and so and so it's this uh, what was once illegal is now. Uh, the way to fix something up, you yeah. know, to fix a society almost. Yeah, true. And I mean, think about just in the past five, 10 years, the rise of murals again. Murals used to be mm -hmm. a really big thing, you know, 50, 70 years ago. And now murals are really back in a big way. And part of that, again, is everybody wants to Instagram a picture of themselves in front of this cool picture. Um, but the same thing goes where it's a way to uh, beautify and get different voices out mm -hmm. there, show different perspectives outside of your traditional or what is seen as a traditional art landscape. Myro is making deodorant better, like 10 times better. It's not that drugstore stuff with all those meh scents that we're used to. Myro delivers obsession-worthy, naturally effective deodorant that looks as good as it smells. And it's as good for you as it smells too, because their natural deodorant has a custom blend of essential oils that release over time, not all at once, to keep you fresh. And they also have barley powder to keep you dry. So here's how Myro worked for me. I got to choose my scent and the color of my Myro case, and then I will be getting an automatic refresh every three months just delivered straight to my door, and it's conveniently timed for that moment when most people run out of deodorant. And plus, as a Myro subscriber, we can switch scents, press pause, or just stop delivery anytime we want. Myro's mood-inspiring scents and hardworking formulas are not only good for you, but also great for the planet we live on because the Myro case is totally refillable, which means that Myro refills reduce plastic waste by approximately 50% versus those typical drugstore brands. Myro believes that doing good and feeling good should be an everyday thing, just like deodorant. To get 50% off your first order and get started today for just $5, visit mymyro.com slash artcurious and use promo code artcurious. Again, for 50% off your first order and to get started today for just $5, visit mymyro.com slash artcurious and use promo code artcurious. Remember, artcurious is one word. So in, in your research and having watched this film a few times before this, what were some things about Banksy that you um, discovered that you didn't know about before? Ooh, about Banksy. Um, I did find out that it is fairly not easy to figure out who he is, but people do have a fairly good mm -hmm. idea who he is. And so the question is whether or not you want to spoil the myth. And a lot of people are really against it where, you know, you can very easily Google and say, this person says 75% match that it's probably this dude and a 50% match that it might be this other dude. And a lot of people are very strongly against that because it's breaking the myth. And part of what makes Banksy so interesting mm -hmm. and also hugely successful was that branding of himself as anonymous. So yeah. it's that that question of um, does it matter even if we can Google that information and generally possibly get a pretty good idea of who he is? Isn't isn't uh, wasn't the weirdest conspiracy that it was like a seventy eight year old woman or something crazy <laughs> there, like that? There are like a million of them. One <laughs> says that he's an Australian artist. One is this. this this particular man. My favorite is that it's a collective. And um, I think that's not necessarily true, but I personally love it. Yeah, that's, um, that's kind of a cool, a secret society yeah. of street artists. It's like people. we're all Banksy. Yeah. yeah. It <laughs> makes me happy. Like, I could be Banksy and you don't know. 
Yeah. That's neat. <laughs> um, what about street art and sort of the history of, of outsider art? What are some things that sort of we can take away from this documentary that they maybe got right or maybe they missed? Oh, that's of course hard this. One. Uh, yeah, of course, this documentary <laughs> doesn't really go into the history of street art, no. but it does present, you know, the pl the key players at the key time that street art, right on the cusp of when it began to just sort of the roof was blown off. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about the commercialization, mm -hmm. um, the capitalization of art, and how much that changes everything. And so a lot of the questions that now come up about Banksy is, is he above the system? Is he still kind of this renegade artist the way that people used to mm -hmm. consider him this renegade artist? Or is he now part of the art establishment because he has allowed his work to be um, either inadvertently or, or not right. sold in galleries? He has museum exhibitions, even though they aren't technically called official museum exhibitions. Mm -hmm. So where does he land? I yeah. think that's a really interesting takeaway. And that extends, I think, towards contemporary art in general, because there is this question of the sellout over and over. If you're a successful artist, does that make you a sellout? And who gets to say? It's a very strange question. Yeah, but and that's even spray painted on in one of the shots. Yeah, you know, his exactly. <laughs> which I was wondering if he had done yeah. that or somebody else. But yeah, I think there's a lot. I, I mean, something that this movie makes me think about. And then I'll, um, there's another fabulous documentary mm -hmm. that maybe many of the audience members have seen tonight called "The Price of Everything." That's about the contemporary art world. I'm seeing some more nodding going on, and um, it's weird and yeah. gross, especially for somebody who. <laughs> I work in this field. Um, <laughs> it's terrifying, but it really makes you think just how much of the commodity, the commodification mm -hmm. of a work of art really speaks to its so-called importance in society. Well, what I think is interesting about this documentary is that it shows Banksy, who who is becoming successful and doing all those, but never sort of succumbing to that commodification of himself as an artist yeah. and sort of that... Um, who the society and the money sort of has created him. Whereas Mr. Brainwash, we see him change Completely. in the doc documentary to, you know, uh, these street artists going like, this is not art. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it makes you wonder, you know, seeing the early um, signs of him putting up that picture of him with the camera, it's like, that was pretty good. And then later you see him, you know, running so thin that it sort yeah. of becomes a very average. So yeah, it's yeah. interesting what the, uh, what money can do to an artist specifically. And when and that is your number one motivation, yeah. perhaps. Right. Um, Even though he won't admit it. Yeah. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> so I think it really is interesting. But I think about Mr. Brainwash and Banksy as being sort of opposites yeah. on the same coin because Banksy does sell art, um, not as much as he used to before he got really famous, but he did sell edition prints for quite a long time. Um, so he was making money, but that was never his number mm -hmm. one motivation, at least not that we are aware. But it does feel like that is the complete opposite. Right. And whereas Banksy seems very idea-driven, um, and that the art then backs it up. It feels like Mr. Brainwash is just out there to make the splash. It doesn't really have the depth that Banksy and other street art kind of backs up with. It's really interesting. Right, yeah. I think um, we're ready to open it up to some questions, questions and comments. So please share um, thoughts and if you have questions about Banksy or the film and also just some reactions. Yes, sir, front row. What about time? Um, what is considered art 
over time mm-hmm. may also change. Yes. For example, what is considered great art may have a long-lasting timeline, and what is considered current or temporary, like uh, both, um, especially Mr. Brainwash and to some extent uh, Banksy, they, I don't know, it may be up and down. So what do you think about that? That is such a good question about the timeline of what's considered good art. Um, I, In a lot of ways, I think it's hard to say because I think it's all hindsight in a lot of way, a reconsideration, because a lot of, like you said, a lot of really famous, important artists went through hundreds of years of being unimportant. Thinking about people like Caravaggio, for hundreds of years, he was not considered a good or important artist and had to be reconsidered. And the same thing goes all the time. With contemporary art or work that's being created right now, I think it's a little fuzzier align because we don't have the automatic buy-in of having the experience of other people saying, hey, this is good. Let's do this. Um, So it's a little bit of a fuzzy line. And I think in a lot of ways, it's just like any other gamble where you're making your very best educated guess. And sometimes it's personal preference. I don't know if that answers your question, but it is a a very tricky, tricky subject. Other thoughts? Uh, someone uh, Someone in the back and then over there. Hey, I had a comment and a question, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the film perspective, I think this film is actually a really interesting kind of analog to style wars from the early 80s, where you have the graffiti boom really taking off and a lot of the artists that were captured in style wars making it into galleries and making a lot of money. And so the first 40 or 50 minutes of the film actually, in my opinion, serves as a really important documentary of the important street art that was going on in the early 2000s. Agreed. And that gets lost a lot, I think, in the kind of controversy of the documentary and the meta-ness of it. And my question is, there's an idea out there that Mr. Brainwash is a useful idiot that's being played by Banksy (laughs) to actually turn it all around and show the (laughs) crassness and basically as a reaction to him starting to sell art. So I just Mm -hmm. wondered your your thoughts there. Yeah, we we actually were talking about that beforehand because there's this great, uh, the the New York Times review of this actually does uh, rather than review the film, it actually is a thesis statement about how um, th- he he's actually an actor. Mr. Brainwash is actually an actor, and that the big Banksy trick is not the the form of the documentary where you think it's one thing and then it's the other, but that we're just consistently being played, um, and that it is all fake, but it passes yeah. as truth. Um, and it's funny watching it again on the big screen. I I kind of watched it this time around with that in mind and it felt like he was because the narration is very history channel you know 10 p.m (laughs) history channel civil war kind of thing and it's also very soap opera-esque and there are uh, moments where he's being filmed and you're like who's filming that and and stuff like that so there's a lot of interesting things yeah but i think that's a lot that's you know i don't think we'll ever know because i don't think banksy will ever come out yeah i don't know what your your perspective is on that no i i agree um and i think a lot of that like you're saying is sort of the crassness of the art world and uh the art critic Jerry Saltz, one of the most famous art critics out there, uh, he had this wonderful quote around the same time mm-hmm. that the Banksy piece in last October was shredded, where he talked about the art world being this dumb organism. <laughs> because basically how it works <laughs> is that if you're going to go buy a work at auction or 
go buy a work at a gallery, you're buying it half the time because someone else bought it mm -hmm. and you want to feel like it's keeping up with the Joneses or you know that because your neighbor bought a Picasso or a Kandinsky that you want to have one too because, oh, that's the thing to do. It's not necessarily that you think it's good and it might not be good, but it's all about keeping up with mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So a lot of the art world is just about that name recognition and um, the perpetration of that. Right. Other questions? Did we have one over there? No? You guys loved it so much. You're stunned silence, <laughs> right? Oh, yes, ma'am. Are there any known records of interviews with Banksy anywhere? He's done actually quite a number of interviews in, in the past. I don't think he does as many now, though I could be wrong. But he's done ones with um, definite newspapers in, in Britain. He did some with the Village Voice a few years back. So he does speak and does do interviews. But he is still very much in the cloak of anonymity. Thank you. Sure. Well, thank you guys so much for coming out, and thank you, Jen. So before we leave, how can people... Well, right now you have a show up at NCMA. It's free. I do. Vimbota. Vimbota, Still Life with Discontent. Mm -hmm. Come see it at the North Carolina Museum of Art. Yes. It will be up through the end of July, and uh, it's about a really interesting South African sculptor. So and then in the fall, your show is uh, Frida Kahlo. We are doing Frida Kahlo, Diego Rivera, mm -hmm. and Mexican Modernism. Yes. And uh, how can people find out more about Art Curious? So go to artcuriouspodcast.com, or if you have a podcast app that you already use, you can find it uh, by searching for Art Curious, one word. And um, please feel free and listen and look us up. And also the mailing list, if you want to sign up, that's right outside the door. Um, and then for Film Club, if you're interested in coming back, just come find me afterwards. I'll give you a uh, card. Uh, to earn a punch, and also you can uh, join our film Facebook group, Alamo uh, Raleigh Film Club. All right, so thank you guys so much. Thank you, Jen. Thank, thank you, Peter. You. Thank you so much. So enjoy, and if you have any other questions or comments and you want to come up and talk to us, we'll be here. Okay, thank you so much. Enjoy your evening. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, everybody.